Good morning, NBC Radio. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to The Story Podcast. But before we get into the episode, I just want to say thank you guys very much for supporting me. And if you really want to support this podcast, what you can do is you can go to, if you're listening on Facebook, you can like and follow the page. You can, if you're on YouTube, you can subscribe. If you're on our Instagram, you can follow there. It's at the underscore story underscore podcast. And if you really want to help this reach new people, you can go to Facebook and leave us a review there. You can go to Spotify and rate us on there. You can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review there. We actually have one review from Liam Galliano, a great friend of this show, and myself. He says, great podcast, educational, inspirational, and just fun. If you want to leave a review and have yours read online, please be sure to do that as well. Today, I have a super awesome guest, Mr. Brandon Valentine. Brandon Valentine is the president and founder of the Central Pennsylvania Music Hall of Fame, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. With the last name of Valentine, you wouldn't believe that he was not only born on Valentine's Day, February 14th, but he is also from Hershey, PA, the sweetest place on earth, and he even married his high school sweetheart. Brandon is a co-owner of a company that creates customized parody songs, and the drummer of the band Cold Spring Union. Since the age of 15, he has performed with over one half dozen bands, the most successful of which have opened for numerous national acts and played shows in New York City, Nashville, Austin, and more. Additionally, Brandon is a songwriter who plays multiple instruments outside of his commitments involving music, He's a medical sales representative, a baseball coach, and a father of two. You can find Brandon and his projects on the Facebook page, Central Pennsylvania Music Hall of Fame, and on Instagram and Twitter at C-P-M-O-H-O-F. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm great, Corey. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. we got a lot to talk about today. So you said in the bio you have been performing since the age of 15. Did, is that when your love of music started, or was it earlier? Yeah, definitely before that. I mean, uh, as far as playing in bands, it started at 15. Um, but before that, you know, I think similar to probably a lot of the musicians you've had on the podcast here, the story always starts with, you know, just music in the in the house, right? Mm-hmm. Surrounds you in your home life. You know, it uh, is very influential from brothers, sisters, and parents. Uh, and in my case, you know, my mom was always singing in the house. Uh, my dad was an uh, unofficial drummer, always on the table, and the... Uh, you know, the car uh, steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always was kind of surrounded. My dad was a fan of the oldies radios, you know, 50s and 60s. My mom, you know, 80s, 90s music. Uh, so always kind of had that real well-rounded um, knowledge, I guess, of, you know, recent past or oldies music. Um, but yeah, not, neither one of them played an instrument. Neither one of them uh, did it professionally. My mom did dabble in some piano. Um, but I guess their love of music and just having music in the house always led me to say I want to do something with this and was always singing at a young age never in tune uh, <laughs> and I guess maybe that 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 caused me to pick up a pair of drumsticks at the age of 11 um, and start to play the snare drum I ended up learning the full drum set probably around the age of 13 um, and from there kind of I feel like taught myself music you know dabbled in some piano some guitar um, and really kind of tried to hone my craft in, in, in singing as well and, and developing here because I certainly didn't naturally have it. <laughs> so what was it like to start or join your first band at 15? 
Yeah, it was a wild experience. You know, I think at that point, you know, you're just in the high school scene and you're like, man, it would be awesome if we had a band, you know. So you you think about, okay, who would be a good front man, you know, who who plays bass in, in the high school jazz band or who plays mm. snare drum or drums, you know. It's just, it was almost a, a collection of friends and at the same time kind of a, a hodgepodge of personalities. But um, we, our, our front man, actually the, the, other, the other three members came to me. They were very close friends. Uh, the lead singer, his name was Todd Schaefer. He's been on... Uh, David Letterman, he was in yeah, a, say, that's a M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, that's a name I recognize. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we went to high school together, and he was a very dynamic personality, worked well as a, uh, as a front man and a, and a singer. And um, the guitarists were twins, uh, twin brothers, and they came to me and were like, hey, man, we heard you play drums. You want to join the band? Uh, so then it came down to, well... This singer was on David Letterman for stupid human tricks, right? Mm-hmm. And one of his tricks was he was highly flexible and he could like wrap his arms around his entire body and pull out and basically do this oh from my. behind, kind of contortionist stuff. But one of the things he could do was clap with one hand, and both the guitarist and the bassist could also do this. And they said to me, "Can you clap with one hand?" And I said, "Yes, I can." Uh, can you so do it now. I can. Uh, so our band was called the One Hand Clappers. But yeah, here it is. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Right. It's That's, hard to picture until yeah, you see it. Right? Yeah, right, right. I, I can't even. It's like the people that do this with their wrist or whatever, the fingers. Right. right. Oh, my gosh. So yeah, age of 15, one-handed clappers. We played some small venues, you know, original music, and uh, got a taste of uh, playing drums in a band and haven't stopped since. So where do you go from there? You play in this small high school band. What are the What do your peers think about you? Because that would be my biggest fear. Yeah, I mean, I think at that point, you know, it's, um, I don't know, I guess it comes down to different personality types, you know, are, are you out there to please others and to get feedback and recognition, or are you out there for self-expression and creativity? Mm. And I think at that point, the four of us in the bands just, just wanted to have fun and do our thing, um, but had tremendous support from our, you know, fellow high schoolers at the time. You know, we'd play venues that would allow kids to come in there and play. Uh, which is few and far between. There was one called The Wire in New Cumberland uh, that we played at pretty often. And, uh, you know, just to have a small group or a large group to come out and support a CD release party we had or something, you know, um, it was awesome. We ended up playing like a graduation party. Um, we played at uh, at the high school graduation, you know, some pep rally stuff like that. So it's fun. it was fun. But, yeah, then move on to college, you know, um, stayed busy. It was in kind of dabbled in a bunch of different bands at that point. I was kind of a – a fill-in drummer here and there, uh, played in an 80s cover band, uh, did a solo, or sorry, a duo, acoustic duo kind of project, um, you know, just random band activities here and there throughout college. And um, Did you go to college for music? or I did not, actually. Yeah, I went to Lebanon Valley College, which is a big uh, music school, um, but I went for uh, pre-med there. Uh, my intent was always to be a dentist or a pharmacist. And I did that for like two and a half years and ended up switching to business. And here today I find myself in medical sales. Uh, so, you know, I got the best of both worlds there in terms of the pre-med education and the business sales and marketing. Um, did not do anything music related at Lebanon Valley while I was there. And the reason being is, you know, I always, I always share I come from pretty humble beginnings, right? My, my uh, dad was a city bus driver. My mom uh, was a stay-at-home mom. I was the first one in my family to go to college. And, you know, I basically worked full time at a dry cleaners throughout high school and college to help finance my own education. Um, so when 
the school day ended in college. I drove in, uh, I don't know, probably a half hour, worked at, uh, worked at the dry cleaners and basically repeated the same thing day after day uh, to be able to have some money in my pocket. Here's a question I've always wanted to know. How do you dry clean? <laughs> it is a good question. Everybody says, how is it? What, what do they blow a fan on it? You know, what does it dry? Right. Um, there's there's uh, chemicals, I believe. the. I, I never actually did the cleaning. I was more, you know, managing and uh, front, you know, cashier, whatever you want to call sense. it. But, but there's a, uh, it goes by perk. I think it's like perchloroethylene or something like that. Um, that's like a chemical. So it's like a detergent. And it ends up turning it into like a vapor, or like a mist. Oh. Um, so it actually like repels stains and ends up going through what looks like a giant washer or a dryer, um, and virtually like it's it's kind of like misted or vapored, but it is in fact dry. So it's weird. So it's more like huh. gas cleaning, if that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. Things you learn <laughs> you learn something new every day, right? So, what? cause you to go towards the music route as opposed to the medical route yeah i mean i'm still doing both you know I'm, right. uh, during the daytime you know i'm um been in pharmaceutical sales been in device sales medical sales hospital sales all those kind of things and i continue to do that to this day um you know but but it's always one of those things where i consider myself a very creative person and you need to have that creative outlet in your life right so Absolutely. when i go to when i go to work and you know i'm having a, a presentation in a hospital uh, talking of, you know, 40 people in a room, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Then I need to come home and I need to, you know, play some music. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, so I don't think I could do one without the other. Um, it's always been, music has always been a constant in my life. So being in the different bands was one thing, but then kind of saying, you know, there's something missing in this area and, and largely based on recognition and what could I do about that? You know, um, I guess that kind of mixes both of my, uh, experiences being from the business world and also being a musician is that entrepreneurial spirit to say, what could we, what could we create in this area music wise that could be an overall benefit to the scene. And, and obviously, like you said, that, that led to, uh, to finding, I guess, as the founder, I guess, maybe that's the right word, uh, the central Pennsylvania music hall of fame. Before we get into that though, I'm curious about your, uh, you said one of your bands has been an opener for national acts. Yes. How does that happen? What were the people that you met? Yeah, I mean, great stories associated with that. You know, the the two bands that I have been in that have done a lot of uh, opening up for national acts is Mountain Road. Uh, Mountain Road's been out for over a decade now. I think they're about 12 years in. Um, And then the current band I'm in is Cold Spring Union. And and both have had um, significant opportunities to to not only open for national acts, but also travel across the country either to open for national acts or play in big cities. Um, I'm really excited in this, this uh, upcoming March. We're getting to play and perform in Las Vegas, so that's going to be another be awesome uh, bucket list area to to perform at. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know how it comes about. You know, I I, I think I think it's kind of multiple angles, really. Um, you know, I think number one, any local band that's trying to get a, a solid national opener, number one has to be quality and talent base and skill base, right? Um, whenever the the national acts, sometimes they're looking for the openers on a regional level or a local level. And then at other times, you know, it's the venue, all right? So let's say a local venue books a national act or there's a there's a concert or maybe it's sponsored by a radio station. So sometimes there's local connections um, where the radio station can say, hey, we need to pull in this local band to be an opener. They would fit really well on the bill. Um, or even the venue that says, well, we have a choice local band that we'd like to put on. So it's been a wide um 
wide variety of those different experiences. In some cases, you know, open it up for a national act at, say, Chameleon Club, right, when that used to be around in Lancaster here. Um, that was usually the, the owner at the time, Chameleon Club, reaching out and saying, hey, you guys would be a good fit on this bill. Um, but some of the larger opportunities have been, you know, some of the, the larger festivals. Um, I-105 sponsors Fall Fest every year. Mountain Road performed there probably three times. I uh, got to open up for a lot of big country names. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think not only building up your quality by, you know, practicing and continually to get out there and play gigs, but also being highly marketable, right? Like mm. it really seems like right now, probably the past 10 years, I guess is, you know, people look at how much activity do you have online, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, you know, some people are getting discovered in that way. And, you know, usually if you have, you know, 5,000, 10,000 Facebook followers, they're like, in some cases, I think it might be also a business factor involved in there to say, well, hey, this band has a big following. Maybe we should put them on and maybe they'll help sell tickets, right? Um, so really, you know, been blessed with the opportunity um, to open up for for a wide variety of big names. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to even go down the list because I'm, I'm trying to even think of who <laughs> they were in the past. You know, Marshall Tucker Band was a big one, a lot of country names. Um you know Thompson Square, Gary Allen. I don't know a lot of a lot of things that played locally in uh, in Lancaster, but uh, all in all, man, it's been a blast. And we went through that really awkward time during COVID where national acts weren't traveling, and it put a freeze on everybody to be able to open up for national touring acts because there were none, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you're doing a lot of headlining shows yourself or, or opening up for friends in the area. And it really seems like we're we're back into that now, where there's there's those opportunities for for local and regional bands to open up for national acts. What do you think is one thing that you maybe have learned or gained since having opened up for these national acts? Yeah, I think um, you know it's really seize every opportunity you have, um, whether it's someone small that is a local or regional based talent. Um, you know, a lot of times local bands will take openers for additional exposure. And when we, when we talk about the business of being in a band, you know, most often a national act opener is an unpaid show. The ticket sales, the proceeds goes to the national act, right? Mm -hmm. Or it goes to the regional act. Um, so you're really taking it to play at a venue to virtually add that to your resume. And, you know, there are some, you know, full-time musicians out there um, that, Music is their livelihood, and, and they need to be compensated for gigs. But I would say, you know, think of those opportunities as high exposure, high marketable opportunities to add national touring acts to your resume as means to charge more when you're playing by yourself, right? Absolutely. Especially if it's, uh, it's a good point. Because there is this whole conversation of, oh, do I play for exposure or for money, right? Right. And that's a whole controversy and a sure. half. Sure. Uh, but for national acts, listen, that's going to elevate. First off, that national act is going to bring in a number of people. For, for sure. For first sure. off. Yep. Uh, the people that you could bring in isn't going to compare. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and that's something you can say, hey, I know this person. I've played with this person. You're going to actually be able to meet that person more times than not. And uh, even if it's a handshake or whatever, you get to say, hey, I got this picture with him. Here's me playing uh, at their show. And then, like you said, 
that is a validation of your talent. You wouldn't be playing for that. Excuse me. You wouldn't be playing for that <laughs> opening act, right. Had you not been talented enough to do it, no doubt. And that's another credibility to you to say, hey, venue, uh, that's only paying me a hundred dollars a night. Mm-hmm. I played with this act. I deserve a hundred and fifty, a two hundred, or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, if you know, in a, a full band show, you know, I think the same way as if you have an opportunity to play in a major city, you know. Um, both of my bands, the most recent bands, have played at the New York City Marathon, right? Mm. It's a it's a unpaid gig uh, for exposure, right? Why not do it, right? You're, Why not? And that's that's another name attaching it to. I, I played right. for the New York City Marathon. Exactly. Everybody, or just saying that, they get an idea of what that is, right? That's right. And that's a big event. It's another credibility adder. Keep adding these up. You could be able to charge more and more and more. And then these people are, are going to start realizing and they might start actually paying you to open up for a gig. Exactly. That's 100% right. Um, and, and all of it really goes into building your fan base too. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's I think there's something to be said when when something's popular, it attracts more popularity, right? Yes. Um, and what I mean by that is, is if you have a band page out there and it has 50 likes and someone looks at the page and they go, oh my God, they only have 50 likes, like... I don't want to be the one that likes this, right? Yeah. But if they have 10,000 likes and it's like, everybody's liking this, I should like it too, right? And that, <laughs> that a large part of that, like growing your following, get your friends involved. For sure. Because their mutuals are going to see that, oh, my friend likes this, I'll check it out. Or, oh, my close other friend, my, my dad, my mom, whatever, yep. likes this, maybe I should like it too. And that's, that's the initial growth, right? Right. And then from there, you go out, Play, shout out, don't, here's another thing that musicians forget. Shout out your socials. 100%, man. 100%. (laughs) Do it more often than you think. Uh, Don't do it after every song. But do it more often than you think because people are very forgetful. And you don't know who's listening at whatever time. No doubt. Um, one One of the successful things that we tried as well was when you get the opportunity to open up for a national actor, you have kind of high exposure. There's a high crowd there, right? Get creative with that too. So. Mountain Road opened up at um, I-105 Fall Fest several times, and when we were there, we took advantage of that. We said, everybody in the crowd, get your phone out, look up Mountain Road on Facebook right now, and if you like the page, we will randomly select a person at the end of the song to get a free T-shirt over at our merch booth, right? Yeah. Free T-shirt. That's it. Free T-shirt, right? People are motivated for Hundreds this. of likes, if not thousands. Right, off, yeah. Off, just the, off that right there. And it... You wouldn't be surprised. You would be surprised by how many people are motivated by it just as a single T-shirt. Right, right, right. A single free T-shirt. Yep. It, you're right. Get creative with that stuff. I've seen people have, you know, they have their banners uh, as well. Yes, that right. Have that have their things, uh, their socials on the entire time. Right. But doing stuff outside of the box as well is going to help you even more gain more diehard, uh, you know, true followers like like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, Facebook likes are kind of seen, I think, from venue bookers as gold standard of how much of a following you have, which isn't exactly super accurate. And I think that may be shifting um, the kind of popularity and following on TikTok a little bit. I'm really seeing that with with musicians as well. Um, And plus, you know, I, I I thought of another story. I mean, just opening up for national acting, you mentioned, you know, the exposure that you get from the fans that are there to see them, but also the ability to talk to them backstage. In most cases, all of them have been approachable. 
Yeah. I can't actually think of a single one that, that wasn't. Um, but the best story I have is one of my bands opened up for uh, Blue Oyster Cult, right? And the drummer was Al Bouchard. Mm-hmm. And he said, do you guys have a CD? And we said, yes. He said, can I have one? Sure. Cool. Awesome, right? I mean, you end up giving somebody a CD of high caliber. And the guy's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? Right. This is this is the guy who uh, has the staple of more cowbell, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't fear the reaper. This is the guy who plays the cowbell, right? Um, so he's got some clout there. And, you know, had we walked up to him and said, hey, here's our CD. Can you listen to this and let us know what you think? You expect them to just throw it right in the garbage, right? Right. They don't have time for every local music act and and to, and to, and to listen to it. Um, but when they when we opened up for them, they were in their tour bus outside the backstage area the entire time. They didn't come in when we played, right? And then we talked to them backstage, and he goes, do you guys have a CD? We're, sorry we were busy. We weren't able to make it out and catch you guys. Do you have a CD? Yes, we do. Gave him the CD. Probably two to three weeks later, he said, while I was out on the road, I listened to it. And he had a full album review prepared for us, and it was and it wasn't just fluff. It was the good, the bad, the ugly, of you know this song, you know you should have done this or whatever. Super detailed. It's like the time that this rock and roll Hall of Fame, you know, established drummer put in to just provide feedback of a local band was astounding, and uh, it's a story I'll never forget for sure. And like, and that's another. Uh... Key lesson to learn: Make sure you have something physical to hand people <laughs> Down, at all times. Uh, it, I can't tell you how many times people are like, "Oh, what's your business card?" or "Oh, what's this?" blah 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 blah, or "Where can I find your music?" And, and if you actually hand them something physical, there's something different yep. about having something physical, like a CD, like like a card, like like a uh, even a flash drive. I, I've seen people give out. Sure. Right, it's something that's tan- and some people will be like, "Oh, they lose it or break it," but it's something that they can see, like just like that, just like a sticker. It's see, some- Corey does it. <laughs> yeah, it's something you can see, and every time you see it, you're gonna think, "Oh yeah, that's right, this, this, and that." Yep. And then you're going to play as opposed to a Spotify playlist where you people have thousands of songs and thousands of playlists. It's gonna get lost immediately. If I'm playing my liked playlist on shuffle mm-hmm. i'm not gonna see a song i i liked in you know 2016 right for a long time that's right uh having something physical is imperative and like i said if you open up for a bigger act and and uh they want to have your cd or even i i might just recommend to say hey can you just give this to them when they leave right you don't have to make a big fanfare of it. You don't have. To, you don't have to seem. De- don't definitely don't seem desperate about right, it. Right. Just say here. <laughs> just give it to them and let that be that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a fine line too. I mean, heck, I'm. You know, I'm. I'm in sales. Um, and I think some people, you know, see sales as you know being aggressive or trying to, you know, force something at someone. Um, and I think there definitely is a fine line in that. But I think if you're clear in your intent. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're not like, hey, you need to listen to this. Like, no one's going to respond to that, right? Of course. Um, if you're more of like, you know, hey, uh, if you have the time for this, um, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to get some feedback from you or anything. You know, I'd really appreciate your efforts. Chances are they're probably not going to listen to your CD. Like, this right. this case was crazy. Um, but if this is National Act, sure. You know, there there hasn't ever been a time for me where, 
you know, I felt like, oh, my God, my band's going to get signed because we're opening up for a national act. Like, the promoters aren't sitting backstage, like, trying to sign people. Like, that's right. not how it works. No, it's not right? how it works. So you're not going to, like, give somebody your business card and, like, make it, so to speak, um, especially when you're opening up for a national act. But you're right. Having something physical, whether it is, um, you know, one of the national artists that, that might be your favorite or more importantly, I think, to give to fans or prospective fans. Mm-hmm. Um and that in itself is is a form of sales, really, because you're trying to establish like consistent communication and and brand recognition from the ground up. So like even this sticker right here, if I go home and I put this on my kegerator or on my guitar case or something, I'm gonna see it more than today, right? Right. Uh, which is the point, you know. And then I'll be like, oh yeah, the story. I wonder how Corey's doing with that, you know. Let me let me check it out and see what's new with him. Um, so yeah, it's it's the same with with musicians is. Do everything you can to to get your name out there and continue to build it up. Have that like constant thirst, um, that constant drive for what is the next big thing the band's going to achieve. Um, but don't be you know arrogant and pushy about it because nobody responds. No, and to to pick you off that piggyback off of that. Uh, when I say hand out your your CD, I, I literally just generally mean just give it to them. Don't expect anything in return. Like I said, it's right. just. Give it to them. And the reason is, if you don't do that, there's no opportunity in the future. Right. Right? You never know what's going to happen. I say take your chance and wait for, you know, plant your seed, wait for the flowers. Yeah. And if the flowers don't come, whatever. But if you don't plant the seed, there's definitely not going to be any flowers. There ain't going to be no flowers (laughs) ever. Right. (laughs) So talking about planting seeds. Yeah. (laughs) We're getting into gardening now? Uh, Musical gardening. Okay. <laughs> so you decided you saw a need in the central PA area, mm-hmm. and you did something about it. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it started, you know, just seeing how how the scene operated. I think it was it was twofold, right? The only means of getting any kind of recognition in the area as a, mu- as a, a musician at the time that I saw was like a local magazine that possibly had – Game music um, magazine. Right. Yeah. Or, or um, you know, the Patriot News does their Simply the Best Awards, right? Mm. There's one winner. There's one runner-up, you know, and there's over a 1,000 local bands, right? Yep. They can't possibly have the scope over all music um, to determine who's worthy of recognition. And a lot of times it ended up being the same band every year that got it because it goes out of familiarity. Right. Some of those you think, all right, well, do they advertise in the magazine? Is that why they're getting acknowledged in there too? And it's like, a you know kind of back and forth game um, is the other thing is kind of like, you know, the everybody knows somebody in the local area. You see that game being, being uh, played a lot with who gets shows, who doesn't get shows. Um, and as a musician in the scene, like there was this, there was this overwhelming kind of um, sentiment that kind of just lingered of, of competitiveness and almost like anger amongst musicians is, is like, so-and-so got that gig. How, why didn't we get that gig? Right. Right? Um, and, and I don't think that does anybody good. No, it does not. So all those things considered, it was kind of like, how can we, you know, the mission statement of the nonprofit um, of the Central Pennsylvania Music Hall of Fame is to recognize, support, and grow the local music scene. And I think that kind of steers towards each and every one of those things that we talked about there. And uh, in a light of, you know, supporting each other, um, I can't wait in the recent, you know, future here when one, two, three, ten bands from this area get signed and everybody 
continues to support them. You know, we're seeing we're seeing waves and swells of bands having increased popularity, going on tour, getting national openers. You know, releasing super quality content. I mean, you know, in my opinion, there's probably at least ten to twenty uh, bands or recording artists in our area that should already be a national name. Like they are that good. Right. Um, so really it was, it was, how can we kind of shed a light on this talent and, and make it bigger and better. And that resulted in the central Pennsylvania music hall of fame, which at the sound of it is only a portion of it. Right. So the hall of fame itself recognizes the best of the best of all time from our area. So we talked, you know, the, First year we inducted Poison and Dan Hartman and the Magnificent Men, you know, some iconic names uh, from this, from our area. Uh, you know, recent past we've also inducted Hailstorm and the Badleys and Jeffrey Gaines, you know, big bands that have done things on a national scale. Um, Get Taylor Swift yet? Not yet, yeah. So uh, it's coming up soon. But yes, Taylor Swift's from the Why I'm Missing Reading area. Um, we've actually had conversations with her people um, the first year. And said, well, is, "Is this something you'd acknowledge?" And they said, "They said, show us a few years of success, uh, a pattern of success, and then she'll acknowledge it. She's not going to fix herself to something that might crash and burn in year one, right?" Of course. <laughs> and crash and burn, we did not. We sold out the venue for our ceremony, right? So I guess getting back to the the delineation, I always like to make is the Hall of Fame, best of the best of all time. Then we also do the Central Pennsylvania Music Awards, the CPMAs, which is like the local Grammys, which acknowledges the best of the best from our area in that current year. Mm-hmm. So it's an annual award ceremony. And we mix those two things together where we, we give out awards for best rock band, best cover band, best solo artist. And then we will induct you know someone of high caliber uh, from the past in the Hall of Fame. Then we'll go back to the awards and we'll duck someone in the Hall of Fame. So the award ceremony and the induction ceremony uh, has been wildly successful. Uh, we've done it three years now and we're moving into our fourth year already. So how did you guys, because you guys started before the pandemic. And then right. The pandemic slapped everybody in the face. Yes. And so what did you guys do about it? <laughs> yeah, it was it was interesting. Our first ceremony, so, so this uh, nonprofit started in 2019, I almost said 2009, 2019, um, and our first ceremony was the last day in January, I believe. It's the end of January, either way, in 2020. So we were probably three weeks away from you know panic, <laughs> right? Around that uh, March 15th to the St. Patrick's Day timeframe of of you know COVID really taking hold. Um, so we had our ceremony. Heck, we probably were a super spreader event at that point <laughs> in late January. <laughs> But uh, first ceremony in the books, sold out the Whitaker Center. Uh, we inducted some some great acts there. It went off without a hitch. It was great. And when the pandemic hit, actually before that, when the when the ceremony ended, I remember having a big exhale on stage and thinking, all right, we got a year until we, until we need to do another ceremony, right? Have some time. And then weeks later, the pandemic hit. Myself, fellow board member um, Mark Snyder, out of the Hershey area called me up and we were thinking the same thing. And we were like, what, what are we going to do here? Right. Uh, you know, this, this hurts the entire economy. It hurts every industry out there, but in our realm, local musicians make their livelihood off performing gigs. It's done. And when, yeah, restaurants are closed, bars are closed. 
that the means to to have an income and to have a gig just canceled, 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 right? So we started a live stream uh, series online where we um, provided a virtual tip jar via PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, things of that nature. And uh, it was it was extremely successful. I think we did, I want to say it was almost 200 episodes. I know we crossed the 100-episode 100, um, 100 plateau in the thick of it in the first, I don't know, six to nine months. We were, we were virtually doing like a live stream every day. So when people are stuck in their houses, they could tune in to Facebook Live, similarly like you know these people are doing with the podcast here, and watch a musician perform really – at their home, you know, they can have original music sitting there. Uh, they could do covers. They could do whatever we, they wanted to do. And then the response that we saw from family, friends, fans out there contributing to the virtual tip jar was unreal. Um, out of all the live streams, we raised over $30,000 in tips and a hundred percent of it went all to the musicians themselves. So it was an awesome expression of support for our local music scene. And it was really um, wildly successful. And we were extremely happy to help um, the local music scene at that point. So now that the pandemic has sort of passed, what have you guys been doing to help the music community? What is the future plans? Stuff like that. Yeah. Great question. I mean, I, it's almost cliche to say, but I really don't think there's a day that that goes by without someone having an idea. Oh, and, the, <laughs> right. Yeah. We what if we did this? What if we added this? Um, and I'm I'm extremely grateful to have, you know, high quality individuals not only on our board of directors but also on our advisory committee. I think we're over 42 people uh, that contribute from the board and the advisory committee. So. It is not a one-man show. It is, it is a massive team effort uh, similar to the overall growth of the music scene. You know, it's a team effort amongst bands and, and producers and recording studios and venue owners and booking agents and sound guys and lighting guys and you name it. Um, everybody's doing a, a collective job of really building up our scene. Um, but, you know, when we take all those ideas and try to filter through them and say, all right, what can we do? What is the best way to support it? What is financially feasible? What's feasible? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we do the, the local Grammys. We do the inductions. And beyond that, um, you know, we've moved into trying out some open mic nights. Um, that's where I met you, Corey. Yep, that's right. <laughs> First ever one. That's right. Um, you know, we're, we're starting an original music showcase series, which virtually is just like any other gig out there. We work with a venue. We have a headliner. We have openers. But the Central Pennsylvania Music Hall of Fame as a nonprofit is supporting those and heavily promoting those specifically for people to come out for original music, right? So pretty much every band out there is always torn, you know, do I play covers? Do I play originals? Right. What's the mix? Should I do? People don't want to hear my stuff. Should I play 90% covers and then try to throw in an original? In this case, we're, we're inviting the artists to come and showcase their originals. I'm sure they might mix in a cover or so here or there, but they're really... Um, really encouraged to contribute with their original music. So that's another avenue that we're looking at. Um, you know, what's, what's next? Um, the Central Pennsylvania Music Hall of Fame is um, in talks about starting a podcast as well. Uh, it'll be like a late night talk show kind of theme with interviewing musicians and having a performance on there. Um, we've, been, we've been talking about that for a while, so hopefully that's around the pike. Um, 
Uh, the biggest news I have is we're extremely close to being uh, being able to be official to announce that we're going to have a physical location that people can visit. Oh, that's cool. As the Hall of Fame, you can go and see the plaques on the wall and all the, uh, you know, the relics, uh, the autograph memorabilia that we've had. So that is extremely huge news. I think this is probably the first time I'm, I'm announcing that to the public. So look forward to announcing that um, via our social media as well. And, you know, up next here... In November, Brett Michaels is coming to the area, and I have the p- privilege to all induct him on stage. Uh, so that's going to be that's pretty epic as well. Cool. <laughs> what is the next induction? The next induction and the award ceremony uh, it will be the fourth annual Central Pennsylvania Music Awards and Hall of Fame induction ceremony, and it will be March 30th, 2023. So we've had different dates. It's been an annual ceremony. We're in, going into our fourth year here. But moving forward, the intent for us is to have the last Thursday in March be the annual ceremony so we can kind of have a sense of uniformity. And we do Thursday. A lot of people say, well, Thursday, what the heck? And I got to go to work on Friday. Why isn't it on Friday? Or I got I want to travel in from two hours away. It should be on a Saturday. It's about the musicians. That's right, Corey. <laughs> it's about the musicians, right? Fridays and Saturdays, musicians are, that's their livelihood. They're out playing gigs. We don't want to. We don't want to take away from a gig opportunity, from either the venues or the musicians. So we felt Thursday, kind of an early start uh, to the weekend, is the best day to do it. So Thursday evening, March thirtieth, twenty twenty three, and the board and the advisory committee are discussing the Hall of Fame ballot right now. So we're we're currently in the ballot mode, in voting to see who we're going to induct uh, this year. And there's there's a lot of big names left on the ballot. Uh, if, you, if you check out cpmhof.com and click on the Hall of Fame uh, link, you can see the ballot there. Year one, when we started, Corey, there was like 20 people on this list. Right. And it has grown exponentially. And and they're all, you know, we're not watering down the list. We're not just throwing random names on there, right? Like highly qualified, you know, Grammy Award winners, people who have done amazing things, either born in our area, from our area, spent a significant amount of time in our area, Um it, I invite you to check out the link online because, you know, when I started, I was like, yeah, there's a solid, you know, 10 to 20 people that would this apply to. I mean, we've already inducted 19 and we have 65 on the ballot. It's probably going to be 70, 75, 80. Uh, that's 100 extremely worthy people of recognition and, and, and enshrinement in a, in a local Hall of Fame. So definitely check it out. It's always crazy when you ever get started in the music scene, you think, oh, I know this big person, that big person. And then you realize, oh, (laughs) right. Everybody knows somebody who's a different person. That's also really, really big. That's right. And it's, you're right. Central PA especially has some of the most talented people that I've ever met. Yeah. And it's like, we mentioned Taylor Swift. We mentioned the Badleys and, and people that, uh, caliber, but even in terms of like musical theater, we have like sight and sound here as well. Yep. We have a million and five theaters around. Yep. And bro- uh, Broadway is only three hours away. Right. I've also found out that a lot of people from New York hang out in Lancaster whenever right. it's all the off season. Right. Grammy award winners galore, uh, com- comparatively. <laughs> right. To, to be uh, to be fair. Sure. And there's always. One more person to add to your uh, connection list, to your network. 100%. And even even outside of the typical genres, too. I mean, you mentioned you know music the- theater. One of the names brought up recently to me was Jonathan Groff. I think he's from the Ephrata area, and he goes back to EPAC a lot. 
uh, musical theater. He's the guy who's the voice of Kristoff from Frozen, right? He's, what? Yeah, he's the uh, he's the he's he's in the Hollywood scene now. He was also oh, in the so in the new cool. Matrix movie, so he's he's an actor. Um, but his um, experience in musical theater is pretty rich, and heck, just to be Kristoff is cool enough, you know right. that 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 uh, he's you know up for consideration as well. So, but outside of that, you know, we get polka names, or you know, someone someone who plays accordion, or or there's you know worldly music. Um, Shout out John Milosic, by the way. There you accordion. go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, names come out of seemingly. The sky. Right. And then when you do the research on them, you're like, wow, how this, this person is legit. Yeah. How did I not know of them? And that's really, you know, one of the elements that we're trying to bring into the fold, too, is one of the things that I appreciate the most out of the award ceremony is, yes, the people sitting there uh, in the audience are there to see if they win an award. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's, all, it's also like an educational moment where they're there to see their hear their name called or to see if their name gets called as a winner. But if they didn't do any research on who's getting inducted, you know, we read a, a bio, they come up, they tell a story and it's, it's like a history lesson on this area to say, wow, I, I didn't know, you know, there was a doo-wop group from the fifties right. that made it big in the New York scene area, uh, New York city area, or, you know, you name it. I mean, there's, um, writers, producers, you know, songwriters, I'll just, I'll, it's it's amazing. Check out the list, do some research, and you won't be disappointed. And for those Philly musicians, uh, is it is the award ceremony uh, invite based, or can people just buy tickets to it? So it's open to the public. Um, the first two years we did the Whitaker Center, and I think their capacity is around seven or eight hundred, and it sold out very quickly. Right? Uh, we did a presale for the nominees to make sure that they got a first floor seat. Uh, we didn't do that. This past year, we moved to the Hershey Theater, which is a 1,900-capacity venue, so almost triple the amount of the Whitaker Center. Um, and we we sold out the first floor, the mezzanine, and started working into the balcony last year. Wow. I think we sold over 1,200 or 1,300 tickets last year. So the, the turnout was fantastic. It really justified our move because we couldn't have fit 1,300 people in the Whitaker Center, which means if we were still at the Whitaker Center, we would have had 600 people that wanted to attend but weren't able to. Right. So this year we're we're um, we're poised to have a big uh, marquee name um, there performing live. Uh, so hopefully that leads to more ticket sales as well. It's, again, it's open to the public. We really invite any any musicians, anybody involved in the local music scene, whether they're nominated or not, to come take part in the experience because it's not just sit there and go up and get your awards. We have a red carpet experience beforehand that's open to everybody. Did you go to the award ceremony this past year? I didn't know about you guys until recently. All right. Well, so. I'm sure you'll be there this I'll year. I'll be there. I am absolutely <laughs> going this year. Yeah, it's it's something that we see is the 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 acts and the artists who, who attend – if they come to one and they're nominated and they're not nominated next year, which happens, you know, this, this, yeah, I, th- I think we've had, um, I think this last year there was, there was over a hundred new nominees, right. That weren't nominated in previous years. That's great. So third ceremony, we had that kind of diversity to have 100, more than a hundred. I think it was 104 never before nominated acts. Uh, ins- insane. But so that also means a hundred people who were nominated in the past weren't up for uh, as a nominee but we saw those people at the ceremony still dressed up you know we do we do the full uh red carpet with a photo backdrop we did a live stream 
people are coming in, you know, full regalia. Either either that means, you know, best band attire like the um uh the suicide suicide puppets as a metal act come in full face paint. Uh, you know, and then we have people, you know, kind of treating it like prom where they're wearing tuxes and, and evening wear gowns. Uh it really has the feel of the, our local Grammy ceremony. And um it's an awesome, awesome evening to celebrate everybody. And even if you're like a local musician, this opportunity is for you to network. Hundred yes. um, percent. That's that is the prime time to be able to go up to some of these musicians that you have never heard of it before in your life, um, because chances are you've never heard of them ever before in your life, and go up to them, talk to them about their experiences, tell them, uh, you know, share information, say, hey, where are you performing? I'm performing here. Blah 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 blah. And make those connections because in the music world, uh, whether we like it or not, it is who you know that really makes or breaks you. For sure. Yeah. I mean, people say that all the time. It's always who you know. And you can't know them without getting to know them. Exactly. And and you're 100% right. I see that's one of the things I'm most proud of is, is just the connections being made because everybody in our local music scene is there you know it's one of the funny stories is like one venue tried to find a band and they're like we're striking out we can't find a band it's because everybody was at at that show right (laughs) um but when everybody's there you know you have some up-and-comers you have you know some veterans you're able to pick the minds of people who've been doing it for decades you run into sound people you run into booking agents you run into radio personalities and all of these people are approachable. And it's not just, you know, the pre-show, the red carpet experience or during the show, you know, out in the out in the lobby. But there's always an after party, too. And the amount of networking that happens there, you know, hey, I love the album that you released, even if it's a friendly engagement. Hey, I love the album you released. My band. I don't know if you're familiar with them. It's called this and what, you know, whatever. That kind of stuff is invaluable. Yeah. And. The, the the saying is your network is your net worth, right? Sure. And it, it can't be more true in the music industry. Pe- the people you know, the people you meet, and here here's another thing. Don't go into uh, an interaction trying to gain an, a connection, right? Correct. Just go up to them and uh, as acquaintances, be like, hey, uh, I loved your work tonight. I saw you got inducted. Um, where can I find your album? Blah, blah, blah. blah. Or can I buy your album? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, just try to make a, a severe connection. Or how long have you been playing guitar? How long have you started this band? How long have you done this, this, and that, and that? And the way to create the strong connections that are going to have your back, are going to become fans, are going to be become your supporters, is by having that initial authentic connection. Because people know when you're trying to, you know, get a hold of them. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think the mentality has to be. You focused, not I focused yes. in any conversation. Um, because if I, if I come up to you and say, Corey, tell me about your podcast. And, and I ask you engaging questions because I'm genuinely interested in what's going on in your life and in your world and your successes. Um, you're going to do the same in return. Right. right. If I walk up to you and go, guess what? My band's doing this, that, and the other thing and whatever. I'm just talking about myself. That's not a conversation. Right. No. So, Yeah. That's what I like to see in these kind of networking and connection things is someone goes up to someone, offers them a compliment, says, I've been following you guys. You're doing big things. You know, I saw you went on tour. I saw you released an album this year. I love track number five, you know, whatever it is. Like, I love these, um, those conversations. And, and 
not to expect something to be reciprocated, but mm-hmm. it will. It will. Yeah, that, that's how you make real friends. That, <laughs> that's how to communicate. Right? It's, yeah, that's <laughs> what it is. It's, the 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 art of communication is I believe it's being lost because we right. have all of these social medias that we could just text somebody and say hey blah, blah, blah. Um, it's really hard for some people to go out in person and then to be to act like a normal human human being right after especially after we've been shut in for a, a year and a half or so sure and haven't had that you know whatever yeah especially for like introverts because a lot of musicians or sound guys yep. or stuff like that yep have never wanted to talk to anybody in their life right. before. Right. Right. Yep. So learning how to communicate in a efficient, friendly, and authentic way yep. is very important because that in the music industry is what you know. Your talent your talent is second. Right. People will go to you just because you're a nice person. Right. Yep. Yeah, I think the way you put it there as far as even even like, you know, analyzing extrovert versus introvert, right? In a, in a basic sense of there are musicians out there, you know, I'll, I'll relate it to a guy I was friends with in, in high school, you know, like it, it was middle school dance. His personality is I'm going to stand up against the wall with a drink and see if a girl comes over and asks me if I can dance with her. Right. Right. Then there's the other personality, which is I'm going to go ask the one I want and or a bunch until someone says yes. And be willing to take the no. Some sometimes people don't reach out for fear of, of um, rejection. Rejection, but sometimes they don't reach out because that's just not in their being. They're they're reserved, right? So there has to be a middle ground there. there I think. Um, Absolutely. You can't... I, I know musicians who are introverted, and they they want to express themselves, and then hide. Hide exactly, and that's tough to grow. Hide yeah. hide and grow is very tough. No, especially if if you're one who wants to grow, you can't let life hit you. You have to take control of your, it's your band. You're the only person that's doing this for you. No one is going to, or uh, it's very rare that someone else comes in and does all the things for you. Right. Um, you have to take, and even then, to even get that person, you have to go out there and say, hey, I'm this person. I do that thing. As an introvert running a, a radio show, this is hard, man. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, going out to the open mics, uh, having no idea who anybody is, yep. have, going up to walk, walking up to somebody and saying, hey, I'm this person, I li- really like your set, blah, 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 where I would much rather just be in the corner on my phone. <laughs> right. And observing and then getting details that way. 100%. But as a musician or as, as anybody within the creative business in general, mm-hmm. go out to these events, go out to your open mic, go out to the Central Pennsylvania Music Hall of Fame Awards, go out to all of these events within your industry and meet people, talk to them, gain connections, gain friends, gain people that will be in your corner and find people to be in their corner. Right. It's you wondering how we build a greater, stronger music community. That's exactly how you do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, uh, it's, it all starts with communication. Um, the most important thing obviously is talent, but, there are far too many people in in multiple industries in our world, not just music, that don't have the drive with the talent. Right. And maybe being an introvert doesn't necessarily mean you're not driven. You're just sitting back on your laurels, but it means, you know, you don't want to or you're not comfortable with. So in that case, you know, you need to embrace the uncomfortability. Absolutely. And and 
always thinking, what is my next step? When you do something big, how do I eclipse this? When I release an album, how do I do better than this? When I have a gig, how do I get the next big thing? And I think if you go to bed thinking that, heck, as a parent, you know, how can I parent better? Right. Or as a, a sports player, how can I improve myself? How can I constantly tweak? Um, the same thing can be said for communication styles. How can I how can I do better at listening? How can I do better at talking? Because all in all, man, like a lot of it comes down, booking shows comes down to communication styles. Absolutely. Are you comfortable sending an email? Are you comfortable walking into the venue? Are you comfortable with making a phone call? Cold calling? Right. And a lot of people aren't. A lot of people say, I'll, I'll send a blast email to a general email address, and when it goes into a... Uh, trash receptacle digitally on the other end. Oh well, I tried. Oh, well. I mean, sometimes sometimes it might happen, but the success rate if you if you do two hundred emails and you get three back, or if you go into the venue and you get five, or if you make phone calls and you get ten, or you know you hire a, a booking agent or a manager and you get thirty. Right. Either way, you have to. I like your point. You have to put yourself out there. So even if even if it's I'm not comfortable, I'm not that person. You still need to find that person who's willing to manage your social media or manage your bookings and be that one with constant drive to go out and get things done. And if you're wondering how to do that, YouTube, completely free. A million and five videos on how how to approach somebody, how to communicate, how to do all these TikTok. <laughs> it's literally everywhere. It's not as hard as you think it is. As an introvert, you you create all these situations in your hand. You overthink all this. Stuff. It's not that bad. Yep. And and you know, interesting point on the introvert extrovert stuff is someone told me recently. A lot of, a lot of people think I am an extrovert because I'm comfortable talking to people. I put myself in this position of being the president and the founder. I'm the guy on stage talking about the Hall of Fame. I am far from an extrovert. And the, the, the best uh, explanation that I like is you're not an introvert or an extrovert based on how comfortable you are talking to people. It's how you need to recharge your batteries. Exactly. Yeah. And what I mean by that is sounds like you and I are one and the same is if I'm going to be on all day long and give presentations in hospitals to physicians or, or admins, or I'm going to be on stage and introducing the next uh, band or whatever it is, or heck, on your podcast, hear the story, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to have to decompose yes. after I'm on, which means I'm going to need to sit in a room staring at my phone for a half hour or something in quiet right? in order to recharge my batteries. Now, there's some people who say, oh, my God, it's the weekend. I've been out talking to people at the office all week, and I need to run to the nearest bar and hang out with 10 of my friends. That's their recharging of the batteries in the extrovert manner. They need to get out and talk about things. I do that because I put myself in those situations, right? but then I crawl back into a hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it's something to be said is, as introverts. You can, I can talk to people I've never met before and, and do that, it, but you're right. Always make time for yourself to recharge. I have three things or four th- social activities I have to do today. I have this. <laughs> I have uh, the music review show that I'm going to be recording today. Nice. I've got my job. I teach children how to swim. You kind of have to be a social to do that. Right. And then afterwards, I got another show with uh, Andrew Pauls, another local guy. <laughs> I know I'm spent right. after this day. Yep. You better not go home and talk to anybody. <laughs> I told my roommate, because he's a talker. Right. I told, I told him today, listen, as soon as I come home, 
don't say a word to me. Right. I'm not responsible for what comes out of my mouth at that point. Right. <laughs> and it's it's crazy that that silence is almost therapeutic in that sense. And and to bring it back to the whole music thing too, you know, I play drums and we'll play a three hour set or a four hour set. And I always think that that is most therapeutic therapeutic to me. It's not necessarily the silence, but it's the calmness of mind for me. I I can't really think of another time where my mind is at peace, where I'm not, you know, in a constant thought of ideas and, and uh, a swarm of, of thoughts going on throughout the day of, oh man, I need to get this done. I need to get that done. And when I'm drumming, I'm not thinking about anything, right? I could, I could be moving my right hand, moving my left hand, moving my right foot, moving my left foot and singing in the background. And it's as clear as my mind can be. It's awesome. It's a, it's like introvert peace, you know. <laughs> Speaking of drumming, we have some of your songs. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I think we so. Have overflow. You want to talk about that? Yeah, uh, overflow was a track that was recorded uh, with Mountain Road. Um, I wrote that song. Um, while in, I think in the bio you mentioned I'm a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I dabble in it a little bit here and there. This one, uh, when we recorded, it was Mountain Road was you know on the up and up of the country music scene and. This one was kind of written as, you know, maybe a bro country kind of song. You know, you got to throw in the the random trucks and girls and beer kind of stuff. Um, so it was kind of written in that fashion. Um, but yeah, one of our one of our successful songs off the uh, Mountain Road album called Momentum, uh, which is another track I wrote called Momentum was a title track. Um, but yeah, great band, great band, Mountain Road. Uh, final show of Mountain Roads coming up here at the end of the year. Uh, So that band's kind of winding down. But yeah, enjoy it. This is Overflow by Mountain Road.
those vocals now. <laughs> yeah, man. Big shout out, Mr. Kevin Cole, lead vocalist, James Clisham on bass, and John Rossi on guitar. That's awesome. And we have one of your um, more newer songs for today. Yeah, so John Rossi uh, is the guitarist in Mountain Road, and uh, he's also the guitarist and co-frontman in the band Cold Spring Union that I drum in as well. Um, so Cody and Cody Wilt and John Rossi, every time we play, John will sing a song, and then Cody will sing a song. Mm. John will sing a song, Cody will sing a song, and it continues in that format uh, for however long we play. So that's why we say co-frontman. But yeah, this is... this. Um, are you playing that one now too? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So the other one is um, the band. The other band that I'm in. It's called uh, Cold Spring Union, and this track was written by John Rossi. It is called Truth Be Told.
must say those are really cool lines on the guitars there. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool having co-frontman and co-lead guitar players. Shout out Cuddy Wilt and John Rossi. They love doing guitar harmonies and all that fun stuff. And uh, shout out on the bass, Mr. Morgan Stanball. So where can people find your bands, you? and Yeah, everything's at, at Cold Spring Union. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. And uh, website, coldspringunion.com. There you go. That that is the band that's playing in um, Las Vegas here in March. This past year, they played in Austin, Texas. Uh, played at a major festival down there called Old Settlers Music Festival. So, um, also played on Music Row in uh, in Nashville. So, fun and exciting stuff. And I think it it uh, bodes well for me to not only be the president and founder of this organization, kind of you know, trying to lead the charge of the local music scene, but also to be down in there in the trenches, you know, yeah. in, the, in the nitty gritty of, of do, doing it just like everybody else. For sure. <laughs> yep. So be sure to, if you want to check out those bands to go out, go out to those websites, check out their schedules there. I'm sure it's on there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yep. And if you want to follow us, we're going to end off our radio time. We're going to keep going on, on Facebook live, but be sure to like subscribe, follow us to keep up with all of our updates and all of our past we have a, a wealth of what uh, 86 or so more episodes in the past of awesome. great people to check out. Um, and if you really want to help us out, like I said in the beginning, please uh, be willing to do a review or send us a review all over Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. It really does help us grow and it helps this podcast reach new people and helps us grow and strengthen the community here in Central PA. With all that said, we're going to get back to the radio, but we're going to continue live on Facebook.com. I always really enjoy it when the legal ID comes up. It makes right. it really super official. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, <clears throat> what is one of the best pieces of advice anyone has ever given you? Wow. Advice. Um, I guess I would go with kind of what we've been talking about is sometimes you need to get a no to get to a yes. Mm. And what I mean by that is be persistent towards your goals. Um, and not only a no, on average, it might take 10 to 100 no's to get a yes. Absolutely. Uh, but no's are okay, right? Some people, you know, can't respond to that and they crawl into a hole based on, uh, you know, getting a no from someone uh, or giving up. Um, but yeah, be persistent towards your goal. And uh, just another piggyback off that, Oftentimes, when someone says no, uh, in regards to music, it's it's a not yet, or mm-hmm. you got to prove yourself a little bit, sure. or you're not at that level yet, and so it's it's a no asterisk, right? <clears throat> Don't be yeah. afraid to reach out to them again when you have more accolades to your uh, resume. Yeah, and similar to you know if you're you have a job interview, right? And someone says no, we went with another candidate. I think the appropriate response is. Could you share with me some constructive criticism as to why it's a no now? Um, And then they give you the steps. And if they say, well, I need to see this, 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 and this, then be persistent towards that goal. Accomplish this, 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 and this, and come back to them and say, I took your feedback. I did this, this, and this. So now are you ready for me? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And here's another thing. Don't get upset about it. Don't, uh, don't. Bash, start bashing them. Oh, they didn't let me do this because they're hoity-toity, whatever nonsense. Mm-hmm. Don't. That's not. That's not the point. Right. Right. <laughs> the point is to grow yourself. Accept these criticisms, and that's another thing you should learn as a musician: accept criticisms. Right. <laughs> uh, and 
when I mean that, except valid criticisms, there are unvalid criticisms sure. as well. <laughs> but learn how to take that and take it in stride. You're going to get way more no's than yeses, and that's just the nature of this career. Right. And you can't get upset about that. You can't let that drag you down. There's always a yes somewhere. You just got to find it. Yeah, I love the accept the criticism thing too because you know even when we finish the award ceremony, our first thought is what could we have done better? Right. How do we get better? Right. And if you apply that as a musician, I think musicians are insanely self-critical. You know, absolutely. Oh, I messed up here. I missed that line, and and ninety nine point nine percent of the audience has no idea or doesn't care <laughs> or, or doesn't care. Uh, but yeah, if you're if you're um, you know conscious of where can I improve because everyone can, right? If you think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread out there and you do everything perfectly, 100% false. So you can't have that mentality. Uh, You know, you finish a gig, you finish an album, whatever it is, be accepting of constructive, valid criticism and help it make you, you know, a better person, a better musician. And um, you'll, you'll thank, you'll thank the criticism afterwards. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron. Remember that one. I like it. Uh, Speaking about criticisms and uh, mistakes, what are some of the mistakes that you have seen or, or maybe you yourself have made in the music industry, and how can we curb that for the future generations? Hmm. I think one of, the, one of the flaws, I guess, I, I see in this area is musicians doing what they do best for nothing or near nothing. And, underselling. Right, underselling themselves. And I've had venues say to me, you know, I'm going to pay a hundred bucks for a solo musician for three hours. Right. And I say, <sighs> come on now, come on. you know, these, th- these, these people need more than that, you know? And they'll go, well, if they say no, someone will do it. Mm-hmm. So again, we talk about the music scene here. If everybody builds up their worth, um, it's building up everybody, it's building up everybody. And ultimately the goal there is also to build up the venue too, right? If they pay more, you know, they, they're a business too, right? They're trying to bring people in the door. So, you know, I, everybody can see both sides, but I think musicians who are willing to play at venues for near nothing and or uh, nothing, ha- see value in yourself because ultimately it builds up the scene. And, and that's outside of the opening gigs that we talked about. Uh, right, exactly, yes. If you're the, the main event, like you are playing the three-hour gig at, at a bar. Right. Don't undercut yourself because mm-hmm. uh, first off, that bar is just going to be like, oh, they're, they're a nobody anyway. Right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make you less incentivized to market. It's going to make them less incentivized to market. Yep. If they're paying you more, they want they want to get their money's worth. So they're going to say, hey, by the way, this person's playing it this, this night. You guys should come out and support us. And because you're getting paid uh, $100 an hour, say it, um, then you can you're going to be more incentivized to be, bring other people out there, so that way there's a justification exactly. for you to be paid three hundred uh, dollars for your your night. That's right. Yeah, and and everything we've talked about in this podcast too, as far as marketing yourself and being driven towards your own success and and building up your resume too, that justifies more money. So if you continue to do that, it's it's almost like success breeds success. Very much so. Better resume, you should be able to get more money. Whether or not you're bringing people in at all, because the venue also needs to do their part in marketing you and say, we have this person. They just played in Nashville last week. Like, you need to come out and see this. You know, that should be their message to all their patrons, too. So there are some venues that put it, you know, 100% on the artists. Some artists put it 100% on the venue to bring people in the door. And it definitely has to be a happy medium. It definitely does. 
Um, speaking about gigs, what is one of the funniest or worst things <laughs> that ever happened to you? Wow. Uh, one of the worst things was I passed out due to heat stroke on stage, uh, and I had to crawl off stage <laughs> and then go into the venue. That was that was pretty interesting. That was at uh, Adams County Winery uh, down in the Hanover area, I think it is. Remember to drink your water. Yes. And to stop when you feel like you need to stop. That's yeah. A- I mean, it was like 105 that day, too. You know, And, and right. doing a cardio workout, playing drums on, safe, uh, on stage isn't exactly the safest thing. No. So, yes, stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. And <laughs> it's another thing, as a musician, have your boundaries. Uh, For sure. Say, I won't play in under 32-degree weather because venues will take advantage of that. Yeah, well, one, one thing I learned from that gig is uh, bring a fan. Bring and, a f- and I don't mean a person. I mean an actual fan. Right. <laughs> Plug yeah. it in. Uh, have the fan on you because, you know, a lot of times a lot of the gigs are outdoors and it's summer festivals and it is 90 to 100 degrees like, and nobody's moving like the drummer. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Forget the humidity. Right. And last question. What is one thing that you know now that you wish you had known when you first started? Hmm. Well, my mind goes in multiple places because it first started the Hall of Fame, first started as a musician, first started as a person. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a tough one, man. It is a tough one. It's yeah, a tough there's, one. there's a lot of things you could tell yourself. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We've we've talked a lot about communication on this podcast outside of you know business and and music here. And maybe that's a, a good way to end it too is be a better listener. Um, you know, active listening is insanely important, not only with communicating with family and friends and, and business relationships, you know, if you're trying to get gigs booked or talking to anyone. Um, kind of goes back to being you focused. If you are looking at someone while they are talking and you're thinking about what you are about to say you're not listening to that person which doesn't aid in good communication back and forth so even as a musician listen to your audiences listen to your constructive criticisms um listen to everybody take a beat and then respond yeah i was about to say um to further that as a musician listen to your bandmates while they're playing sure and people want to know how do i get good at cues or whatever yeah listen watch don't think about the next thing. There's if you're if you're playing at a gig, you should be able to be on autopilot, definitely to be aware of certain other things. Pay attention to and even record yourself. Listen back to your own stuff. Be an active listener to your own stuff. Don't just put it on and and do something else. Right. Actively listen for things that you you find incorrect or you find better or you find really good and you want to keep that. Yep. Uh, this is. One of the places, it takes a lot of time, mm-hmm. but the people who are great have that on lock. They've done that. The people who are Grammy Award, Grammy Award winners yep. have Broadway singers. They have an immense backlog of all of their singing. They can point to the first recital they ever did and say, hey, look, this is <laughs> what I did, and all of this is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, and and that's this is how I fixed it. This is what I did. All that other jazz. Active listening is one of the most, I'd argue, is the imp- most important thing for a musician to do. 
with their own music, uh, for their own music's sake and for their career and connection's sake. Yeah, agreed. And and I like your point in relating it back to music too, because you know when you when you think about listening to your bandmates and even even as a an audience member of a band, you can see when a band is just super tight. They're locked in. They know whether it's a progressive rock song, they know exactly where they're going in the next measure, and none of them are off. Mm-hmm. Then there's that moment on stage where you see as a as a musician being in the audience where you you can tell something changed in the song, and they're kind of in improvised mode, right? And it just kind of has this overall feeling. The room feels a little bit different. Like, okay, they're looking at each other. They're giving each other cues, you know, nonverbal cues. It's like, you know, uh, the guitar's coming in and, okay, let's get into the bridge now kind of thing. Someone moves their foot. Someone moves their hand. It's awesome, man. It's awesome to see that kind of communication on stage. And, And sometimes it happens subconsciously because you've been a band for so long or you're, you're just a veteran at your instrument and you pick up on, you know, somebody doing a run on the bass and saying, okay, he's going to go into this now. Mm-hmm. Uh, great stuff. With all that said, please be sure to check out the central Pennsylvania music hall of fame at their website. Yep. CPMHOF.com. And that's also their Instagram, Twitter. You can find them on Facebook, central Pennsylvania music hall of fame. If you want to support, us the podcast please be sure to like subscribe comment share with all your friends especially to those who need to know how to communicate this has been a great episode about communication love it we weren't even planning on talking about it but here we are communicating talking about communication there it is (laughs) and if you want to be up to date with all of our future guests and events check out our facebook facebook.com forward slash the story coy rosen i wish we had a website we're getting on to that it's coming relatively soon Uh, Or you can check out our Instagram at the underscore story underscore podcast. Be sure to tune in for some upcoming guests. We have Andrew Pauls at 9 o'clock tonight. We have Mike Bitts tomorrow. He's an amazing guitar player. We have Chris Keeney. He's he's a uh, worship leader around here, and he's going to be bringing in one of the oldest string instruments known to man called the Oud Mm. because he knows how to play it, and I want to know how it's played. Interesting. And how right. many strings does it have? Uh, I think it's one, five or four. <laughs> no, well, let's say uh, oldest medieval. I guess uh, I'll have to tune in to find out for yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Friday we have a saxophone player from Right Coast Recording, Mr. Logan Kurtek. And then Friday we have Luther and Barbara Tyree. Uh, Barbara has a, a a business where she takes old instruments and turns them into furniture, jewelry, stuff awesome. like that. Love so. It. If you have stuff that's uh, of significant memorabilia to you and you would like it turned into jewelry, check them out. With all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the day, and we'll see you guys later. Bye.